Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as finfanatic.com and the Fan Sided Network. We are seven days away from the NFL draft. In fact, as we're recording this, um, it's officially less than one week until the draft. It, absolutely incredible, and we will be there every step of the way up until draft day, as well as on draft day, day one and day two, as well as the, the pick recaps. We are previewing here the cornerback class, and this is a position here with obviously the Dolphins are very well stocked with Byron Jones and Xavier and Howard a cornerback. Nick Needham had a pleasant was a pleasant surprise last year in the slot. Noah Igbenogany had a rough rookie year, but you know somebody we expected to be a little bit green. But Paul, the the way I look at the class here is it is a great cornerback class if you need a cornerback in the top ten. It is a great cornerback class if you need a slot cornerback. It's a great cornerback class if you need a zone cornerback throughout the draft, but not necessarily a a great draft for man-to-man cornerbacks, per se, really in that second, third, fourth round area that we expect the Dolphins to be looking at. Hey, Dolphins fans. This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health, LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, cacao bliss nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich smooth creamy chocolate and knowing you are doing something good for your body we start with 100 percent organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun maintaining its miraculous health benefits then we blend it with turmeric mct oil coconut himalayan sea salt cinnamon and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel the best you ever have the result fall in love with a truly decadent healthy guilt-free chocolate removing your cravings facilitating weight loss boosting your energy and reducing your inflammation with one simple drink not only that it is friendly to paleo gluten-free keto vegan and vegetarian diets for the last eight years we've been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide we are offering up to 15 percent off when you use code minute 15 at earthechofoods.com slash minute media follow on social media at the danette may and at Earth Echo Foods. Yeah, and I mean, the good thing here is what Miami really needs is is a slot corner. So this should be a great draft for them. Um, there's a handful of guys that I would potentially look at after round one for the boundary uh, to develop. I mean, Ify Melifonwu, not because, you know, we all know I was a fan of Obi Melifonwu, but just if he has all the traits and he's still trending up at, at, at corner and given the fact he's got all the traits and all the God-given athletic ability in the world um, you know if you were to take him on as a developmental opposite Igbenogany it would be a scenario I think where you would see them be the corners of the future in Miami um, for whatever point Miami was ready to move on 
from either X or or, or uh, Byron Jones. You would be interesting uh, there later in the draft. Uh, you know, I think maybe not necessarily later in the draft. I'm thinking I expect him to come off the board like in that third round area kind of. And, yeah, if you hit on that with the physical measurables that he has, yeah, you, you hit big. The other part of that, there's a very high bust rate uh, with Afatu Melifanu as well, uh, as, as we saw with his brother, Obi Melifanu. I, frankly, I think if they had played him at cornerback from the beginning – and he had stayed healthy. Maybe his career had gone a little, a little bit better. But uh, we'll get to him in a bit. Uh, you know, the this is a position where I'll say over and over again, the Dolphins need great cornerbacks in order for this defense to work. And they need them every single year because they ask the cornerbacks to do a lot on this defense. It's no coincidence. They shelve out the money for Byron Jones. They have Xavier Howard playing a full year. And he's, in my opinion, in our opinion, the best cornerback in the NFL last year. And the Dolphins have a great defense. How great, you ask? You take a look at the Dolphins' past defense last year. They had several major categories, Paul, that finished in the top seven. Turnovers, first. Third down defense, first. Quarterback rating of opposing quarterback, sixth. Points allowed, sixth. Completion percentage, seventh. So not a coincidence that they have an elite secondary, and we see such a turnaround there on defense with Xavier Howard staying healthy and the addition of Byron Jones. Yeah, and, and I want to I want to park on that for a second with it because – you know, I, I I wound up having a conversation with uh, Elaine Pupar and, and a couple of folks out on Twitter this past week about people don't appreciate the season that Bob uh, Byron Jones put up at corner. Um, without the season Byron Jones had, Xavier Howard would have got not gotten what he did. Um, it's it it speaks volumes that while Byron did not pack the stat sheet. Teams were still throwing at Xavier Howard repeatedly, um, give, given the fact that he was just destroying everybody back there. So that should tell you that alone, you know, don't without even looking at a single other stat, should tell you how good of a season people were having on the opposite side. Because if Byron wasn't having that season over there, guess what? They wouldn't have thrown at X. They would have continually thrown at Byron Jones to just roast the guy and. That didn't happen. They kept trying to challenge Howard, and that says a lot about our starting corners. And I blame PFF for that. The hatred with Byron Jones. Hatred is a strong word. But the idea that Byron Jones was somehow a disappointment at the cornerback spot. What a joke. I mean, Byron Jones changed the way the Dolphins played defense by being able to man up. And, look, I subscribe to PFF. Uh, we reference them on the show. I, I think their podcasts are second to none, but I don't pay attention to their cornerbacks and defensive back and linebacker ratings because it, it's so hard to judge who was at fault for what. And, you know, what was one game besides the Raiders game where Byron Jones played poorly? None. I, I, I don't, I don't agree with, with that whatsoever. And if it, Byron Jones were ranked in the seventies by PFF's grades, instead of in the late fifties, I assure you, the whole rhetoric rhetoric would be different on him. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, we've said it multiple times here on the show. PFF is a great resource. It is not in any way, shape, or form the be all, end all of 
what you should believe you saw out on the field. Uh, it's a tool, but it's not always accurate. Numbers don't lie, but you can lie with numbers. Um, and, and PFF has some bright and shining examples of that, especially when you know you look at positions like that. You look at um, like offensive line at times and things like that. So I mean, we could soapbox all day about PFF, and maybe we will at some point. But for right now, it's I, I like I like PFF. I just don't like them when it comes to, to grading cornerbacks. I uh, one last example is in 2017, Xavier Howard against the Falcons. Xavier Howard holds Julio Jones to five catches for 41 yards against Julio Jones in his prime, and he was given a very, very poor rating for that game. Why? Because he was blamed for a 55-yard touchdown from Marvin Hall that Nate Allen said himself after the game he was responsible for, and they didn't change that rating. So that can I make sadly, a difference. I sadly remember that exact play. <laughs> it was it was, it, Nate, it was Nate Allen's fault, and it's hard to, to tell when Marvin Hall is, is running between a cornerback and a safety. So anyway, moving oh, on. Cat. Before we actually move on, we actually have some other Dolphins news we haven't even touched on yet. And, guys, make sure you're clicking that like button. Um, DJ Fluker. I can't believe we didn't even touch on this yet. It's It's been, it's been days since we've been on here. Uh, what are your thoughts? It is. I thought it was a good signing. I mean, uh, you know, DJ Fluker back in 2013, I never understood why this guy was a mid-first-round pick. or I think he was the 11th overall pick. He was a oversized, powerful right tackle. But he's hung around the league, and you're talking about him now in the context of a of, of good depth at right tackle and right guard. Uh, yeah, I, I'm all in for it on a cheap contract. I think he would provide good depth. I absolutely was for it. Um, the fact that he can, as you said, play multiple positions. And, you know, yes, he's 30 years old, but he can play multiple positions well. And, and I like the signing a lot. Um, it's And I also think the writing's a little bit on the wall that Miami's not looking to heavily go offensive line in this draft. They're just trying to tweak and upgrade where they can, other than maybe the center position. Yeah, when it comes to the tackles and guards, I, I gave up on Penny Sewell being a possibility a while ago for that reason, because they're looking for the exact size DJ Fluker is, 6'5", 340 pounds. That's what Isaiah Wilson was. That's right at what Robert Hunt is, right at what Solomon Kinley is. Austin Jackson is 20 pounds lighter, but 6'5", 320. They're looking for big dudes on the offensive line that they can groom. Um, Fluker's a veteran. And he's not a groomable type guy, but he's a, he's, he's a big dude. He's going to provide good tackle at, or, or good depth at, at guard and tackle. Uh, I think he's a better guard than he is a tackle. So, uh, yeah, speaking of guys that aren't fat here, uh, the cornerbacks here that we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> You like I, how I, I like brought it back to my fat guys? How, how you like that segue, huh? I mean, just smooth as silk. You're just rubbing it in on me because you know I like talking about the fat guys. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, but at cornerback, with the Dolphins, such such a position that that has great importance in this defense. It is not a need right now. Xavier Howard's 28. Byron Jones is 29. In two years, I will promise you this: it will be a need. And it's going to be really hard to find cornerbacks that have to do what, what these Dolphins cornerbacks do on a down to down basis. If Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are in their thirties and not playing at the same level. So that's why 
I'm not saying cornerbacks in need. I'm not saying they should draft a cornerback high, but I would be certainly more open to the idea than a lot of other Dolphins fans would be, which brings me to my next point, Paul. You had said a couple of weeks ago that if the Dolphins drafted a cornerback in the first round, you would, quote, throw up all over yourself. Uh, do you stick by that statement? Absolutely. Okay. okay. Absolutely. I mean, the only way I, I would deviate from that is if they were to trade down from 18 and move backwards and somebody like J.C. Horn happens to slide all the way down to like 26, 28, somewhere in there. Yeah. Otherwise, Jay- no. And that's just too too good a value to pass up at that point. Sure. Yeah, it, you'd, be, you'd be exactly right on that. And, you know, J.C. Horn is somebody that – on on my Dolphins board, number one cornerback by far. And I'm not saying he's the best cornerback by far in the draft. You know, pa- Patrick Sertan certainly certainly uh, competes with him over that, and then a lot of people have Sertan higher. But in this defense, the man-to-man coverage, being physical at the line of scrimmage, if uh, Brian Flores and Josh Boyer were to make a cornerback in a lab that fit their defense, it would be J.C. Horn. And – Sub, the son of Jay, of uh, Joe Horn, he's a, he's physical at the line of scrimmage, like I said, and six foot, two hundred and five pounds, four three nine forty, nineteen bench reps, bench reps, forty one and a half vertical, unbelievable measurables. Doesn't turn twenty one until November. The criticism against him is that he may not be able to be a zone cornerback, which to me doesn't really matter all that much in the Dolphins scheme. I, I'm not saying he. I'm not saying he would be bad at it, but he's not a great fit at that because you've got to make more clean breaks on the ball. Horn is more somebody that gets you in your face and, and follows you downfield, and that's what is needed here in the Dolphins secondary. So, I see him landing firmly between six and eighteen. I don't see the Dolphins taking him, but if he fell to eighteen, he would probably be the top choice on my board. I don't care who else is on there. I don't care if he plays in his first year. I think this guy would be a star in the Dolphins' defense. I think he would, too. My biggest thing is what I want in the way that I look at a lot of these boards, and and that's that whole flat board methodology. I think Greer is in that camp as well, um, which I like. Uh, The fact that, you know, he's got four or five players on a line in some cases. Like, okay, I've got all these guys – within a tenth of a point of each other as far as who they are, what we think they're going to be, where we think their ceiling is, and what we think we can get out of them, um, their leadership skills, all those things that we all know that, that Chris Greer values. And and so that's where corner starts to be rough for me unless somebody tremendously slides in round one. Um, it, it's because, yeah. it you know, given the positions of need versus the positions of, yes, we're going to eventually need – uh, I do think Igbenogany is going to be better than a lot of folks believe uh, based on the early experience last year and based on the reports that I, I heard out of practice and things like that for how much he improved throughout the year. He just didn't get the opportunity. So I do think they need a corner. I'm hoping that they can grab somebody developmental here that can turn into something. Let, let's not forget, Xavier Howard wasn't a first-round pick either. Right, and look, I'm not by any means giving up on Noah Igbenogany. This is somebody 20 years old. I didn't expect to hit the ground running. I mean, I, yeah, I expected a little bit more out of him, but I expect cornerbacks 
to be raw in their first year. I mean, Jeff Akuda, CJ Henderson, top 10 picks. They went to uh, bad football teams and they, they weren't good, I mean, it, but that's not, I don't think anybody's calling them a bust right off the bat. We shouldn't say that no Dolphins fan should say the same thing about no Igbenogany. So he, he certainly deserves a chance here moving forward. And I think he's going to get better and better as we go along. Uh, Paul, Patrick uh, Sertan is really that second guy or first guy, depending on, on how you have your board stack. Obviously, we're familiar with his uh, with his dad, Patrick Sertan, the first, uh, you know, and his dad, it's kind of lazy to compare him just to just to his father, but it's it's hard not to. I mean, Sertan was, you know, he was a second round pick because he was not the fastest guy, but technique wise, in terms of physicality, scheme flexibility, he had it all. And to me, was one of the most underrated Miami Dolphins that I've seen in the last 25 years. No, he, he is. I mean, it's I still remember um, when he got advice. Basically, he was really and 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 we love Sam Madison. Um, you know, Sam, Sam's a great dude. Like, I can't say enough good about Sam. But Sam was the talker between the two of them. So Sam got more notice even when Sertan was outplaying him. And it wasn't until Sertan started talking that people started turning and looking and going, oh, okay. And he started getting that Pro Bowl recognition. He was very unheralded um, when he just came in, did his job with his mouth closed. Uh, So it was good to see him start to get the recognition towards the end of his career. I thought Madison was the better cornerback, but I thought Sertan was the more well-rounded one here here in Miami. Um, And then you had Jerry Wilson after that. (laughs) Gosh. Um, so anyway, uh, uh, but Patrick Sertan the second, I'm not saying he couldn't play in this man-to-man defense here that the Dolphins have. He ran a 4-4-2, but I don't think he quite plays up to that speed. He's more of a technique guy, and cornerbacks in this defense have to cover a lot of ground. It'll be interesting to see if he, how high he goes on draft day and if teams value the technician he is over the pure athlete that a J.C. Horn is. Uh, I expect Sertan still to go first. Firmly, uh, they're possibly number 10 to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, then after that, I mean, it's 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 a pretty deep class, but it's hard to pick one specifically here for the Dolphins. Um, you know, I the next two guys on, on most, uh, on the consensus board, we should say, Caleb Farley and Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom from Northwestern, I think he'll be a solid first round pick, but he's going to be that for a zone team. He's not more, he's not really a bump and run type of guy. Somebody who plays kind of like Brent Grimes did with the dolphins where he, he plays off the line of scrimmage, clicks and closes, trusts his eyes, has great feet. Um, And then you've got Caleb Farley, who's an interesting scenario here because he was supposed to be um, the top or the second cornerback here in the draft. But he's starting to drop now because he recently had back surgery. Had back surgery on March twenty twenty third. A um, uh, yeah, he had back surgery there on the twenty third. He missed the twenty seventeen season with a torn ACL. Opted out of last year and may play this year, but may not. But that back injury that he had is supposed to be probably a reoccurring injury, or at least something that he's going to have to have considerable pain with. So. You know, we don't try to be doctors on here, but it's at least a concern moving moving forward enough to probably 
drop him into the second round. It might, and it should, as I don't think I would take him before the second round, no matter how much I like the guy. Um, it, it's unfortunate that, that that happened with him, but again, it, it's you can't risk a first-round pick on a corner that even if he recovers properly, you don't know how it's going to affect his, his game moving forward. You don't know if it's going to affect his running ability. A, a little, like Even a hair, that tenth of a second speed that it could shave off for him could be devastating. So, yes, I had him as – he would probably be my number one corner uh, if it weren't for that injury. But now I couldn't in good conscience even, conscience even think about him before round two, even if Miami was in dire need of a corner. And the back injury he had was a microdisectomy. That's the same injury or same surgery that Tiger Woods had. And it's a quick recovery, but it's also something that is known to reoccur. Tiger Woods had two surgeries like that. Caleb Farley's already had two. And if you have two, you're likely going to have more. And with that type of injury too, you're uh, – uh, you have to play a physical brand of football with the Miami Dolphins. You have to come up and tackle. That's that's also going to impact a lot too. So anyway, Caleb Farley to me, I, I've got a unless he has a free fall to fifty completely off my board. I have no choice because it's a shame. He's got long arms. He runs. He's a four three player. Great film, man to man zone. You name it. He might be my top cornerback in the draft if not for the injury. But there is the injury. So, Paul, after we get past those top four guys, those top four consensus cornerbacks, you know, you mentioned Melifonwu. Would he be next on your list, or do you have a couple other guys up there that that are ahead of him? I, I mean, <clears throat> did you mention Greg Newsom? Uh, yeah, Greg Newsom, zone cornerback. Uh, so he'd be somebody that I think he'll go between firmly between eighteen and thirty-six, probably closer to eighteen, and. Because he's such a zone cornerback, I, I, I just call him his own cornerback and move on. Now, the other one that I've got probably ahead of Iffy there is, well, a couple really. Um, Asante Samuel Jr., who I think the Dolphins have quietly and not so quietly shown some interest in. Um, and then probably Aaron Robinson out of UCF. Uh, I, I like the ceiling with Melifonwu a little bit better, but... Uh, Aaron Robinson is going to be an NFL starter at the next level. Um, he just, and I apologize, I skipped away from my notes a little bit here, so let me look back for what I had on him, but it's there's yeah, a lot to like with him. Yeah, t- t- yeah t- take a look at that there, because Aaron Robinson and Asante Samuel are the next two cornerbacks on my list, too, because, look, Robinson, he doesn't fit every defense, but when he was at UCF, he played really press- Nickelback uh, in the slot there. And that's exactly what the Dolphins are looking for to challenge Nick Needham. He's a 5'11", 186 pounds. He ran a 4'38", 6'8", cone, which really uh, measures uh, the ability to, to, uh, to turn and run and, you know, and measures your agility. Um, and, you know, he, he plays a physical brand of football from the slot position, too. And I wouldn't discount the possibility that he he would have the physical tools to be an outside cornerback. And one thing Brian Flores will like, really good tackler, too. So he, we could be talking about him as a nickelback, as an outside cornerback, 
maybe even as a free safety down the line because he's, he's such a good tackler. And you mentioned Samuel, too. Last 20 games for Asante Samuel Jr., 24 pass breakups, four interceptions, and just two touchdowns allowed. So a real, And he is a really good man-to-man corner out there in the outside. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy, just like his dad. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think he's somebody that would fit this defense really, really well, too. But the question is, Paul, now, with Aaron Robinson and Asante Samuel, we like them both. Are we hoping he falls to 81, or are you okay with the Dolphins pulling the trigger there at 50? I'm okay pulling the trigger there at 50, but what I will say, though, too, is there's a few guys later in the draft that I think you might be able to get the value from that you would from a Melifonwu. Um and get them a lot later. And actually, I'm going to go with Aaron Robinson's running mate from two years ago in, in, in Tay Gowan. Uh, tremendously huge upside. I think he was actually the better of the two corners, but he opted out of this past season. So it, it's, I mean, he's what, 6'1, I think a buck 90. Um, he ran a 4.4740, which is not terrible. I know everybody wants the 4.39s, but, you know. It's a half of a tenth of a second or a twentieth of a second, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, it's. I want to say he only allowed twenty catches for about just under three hundred yards uh, in twenty nineteen before opting out of twenty twenty, wow. and you know, tremendous upside. It's he was outplaying Aaron Robinson, and then he did not play this past year so no one really knows exactly where he's at so he may be one of those sleeper steals um for somebody later on and we already know what ucf scheme was because we just talked about it with aaron robinson yeah and he was a big tall skinny boundary guy out there and robinson was in the slot and your boy richie grant was out there at the free safety spot so you got three nfl caliber players out there and yeah he did opt out this past year and if, if people that don't know the story about that and why he opted out nobody can blame him for that because his story was and he did an interview with with pff that he um uh, actually gave his grandmother and several other people in his family COVID. he actually spread it to them as well as his premature baby so at that time he said look it's not worth it and go uh, gowan had everything to gain by playing this past year for UCF and people are all over the board on him. Mel Kuyper has him as, as one of his top 10 cornerbacks. Uh, PFF has him as a third rounder. Uh, but on the other side of that, a lot of people, especially Tony Pauline from pro football network, have him as an undrafted free agent. So he, people are all over the board on this guy, but can play man to man on the outside. Also, and somebody else who can too, Paul Benjamin St. Just. Uh, really a body, beautiful cornerback who did a great job during Senior Bowl week. He and uh, Ifatu Malafanu really have that same body size, that you know, six foot three, and they can run, but they're very, very rough around the edges. So when we start getting in to early day three, maybe late day two, then I, I think that's when you can start to expect them uh, come off the board. Yeah, and another guy as well. Um possibly a possible day three and and jimmy shore brought him up in chat uh israel i'm gonna butcher this but yeah you are yeah you are mukuwamu um 
you know, okay. Now, I didn't do too bad there, you know. Like, bad, Paul, way to go, bud. It's, uh, but no, I mean, 6'4, 212. I don't have a 40 time on him at the moment. Uh, I don't think he ran. I don't think he ran. A he had a leg issue, I believe. So he, it's, um, but yeah, no, he's an intriguing guy and somebody that is not as physical as you would expect for his frame. But, I'd be very intrigued to see how Miami could develop him out there as a potential boundary replacement eventually or just some, somebody to be that body because we've seen corners go down year in and year out. When I, I look at him, I'm kind of reminded of a bigger Sean Smith, which is incredible to say because Sean Smith was massive. It's, he's, I'm pretty sure, what, he's six foot four, yep. and it's, at a certain point, that's too big. <laughs> You know, because in this defense, you're expected to turn and run and stay with a lot of receivers. And unfortunately, I think that's going to be the thing that really drops him. I think he's, you're looking at a Brandon Browner type of zone cornerback, and I'm not sure that fits the Dolphins' defense. But another thing is maybe maybe you look at him at safety if he's smart enough because he can hit, he is big, and maybe there is a place for him. Um other boundary cornerbacks I see too that that are kind of intriguing. Uh, Keith Taylor from the University of Washington, uh, almost six foot three, unbelievably smooth, turning and running. Uh, he, he showcased that at Senior Bowl week as well. Um, he's not all that yeah, physical. Go, but he's very smart. Go ahead, go ahead and repeat that. You, you, we we lost you a little bit there. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Okay. Good. Uh, Hey, I've got an Ethernet cord in for for all of our listeners here too. So we we don't have we don't have Earthlink.net down here anymore. So uh, <laughs> no good. Uh, but yeah, the uh, uh, Keith Taylor, the cornerback from Washington, yeah, very smooth hips. It's hard to believe the guy's almost six foot three. Um, I think he would fit in real well in this defense because he can tackle and he's smart too. One thing about him though, zero interceptions in his career at Washington, not one single freaking interception. If he had more, I think we'd be talking about a second or third round pick, probably more of a day three guy now. Um, and also, uh, Amber Thomas from Michigan is a thin, fast boundary cornerback, not very big, very good at the line of scrimmage though. And, and I think he can, he could possibly be somebody that you get in the fourth or fifth round that, that plays on the outside, a lot of snaps, maybe kick Byron Jones in, uh, uh, periodically too. So yeah, a lot of boundary guys there, Paul, a lot of slot guys too. Yeah. And, and another guy I like later in this draft is, and, and and I know we've talked about him briefly. And I think I even took him in the mock draft that we did on the air anyway. Uh, Shamar John Charles out of Appalachian state. Uh, Shamar is, I mean, God, how big is he? I forget exactly how. You know, big. I don't have the measurables. Uh, in See, I, I this isn't an open book test for me, Paul. He, he's about five ten. Um, you know, I, I won't get into his arm length. I'll let you touch on that if you want to. But it's uh, no, nah, he just he was he was solid, and I can't figure out why he and Paulson Adebo are so low on a lot of these draft boards. Because if you go back to their tape, they don't run slow. They're fast. They tend to lock guys down. Um, allow low percentage of catch rates, and, and, you know, they're sitting there on a lot of draft boards at 25, 30, 40 down the list. And there's a few guys every year I don't get it with, and with these two, I don't get it, even though I like – I wouldn't put them top 10. I think that they are going to be tremendous steals for somebody in the fifth or sixth round. 
Adebo is on my do not touch list. Not because I don't like him, but again, I see him exclusively as his own cornerback because he plays off ball. And if he gets up man to man, I, I don't think he has the play strength to turn to stay with receivers downfield. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just not feeling him in this type of defense uh, and, and he's not a great tackler either, but he is talented. There, there's no doubt about that, but he and Greg Newsom are two players. If the Dol- if this were the Dolphins defense from five or six years ago, where they played so much zone, I would love these two players. This type of defense, I would have to pass. Um, a couple other players while we're on the subject, I would pass on. Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky is an intriguing prospect, but so inconsistent. Uh, he was with he was at LSU. He transferred after having some problems there. He was suspended for a 2018 bowl game. Um, just very, very inconsistent, but very high upside. I mean, he went up against Devontae Smith in the SEC, and he played really well. He didn't allow a catch when he was on him and had an interception, very impressive one where he boxed him out in the end zone, which I guess at 166 pounds isn't hard to do for the guy. But uh, now, <laughs> now, look, hey, Devontae Smith's still high on my board, but 166 pounds, God, jeez. Uh, anyway, uh Eric Stokes, I'm also not very high on. He's out for me. Thin and choppy, not a good tackler, not high on him in general. Just receivers get open very easily against him. And I just don't see him fitting this defense at all. Shakir Brown, 4-6-2-40, and you know my rule with linebackers in 4-7-5-40, you're out. Same thing a cornerback. If you run floor, slower than a 4-6, you're out. So Shakir Brown, sorry, you're a good football player, but you're not turning and running with receivers all the way down the field in this defense. No, Shakur, Shakur was a guy I was very disappointed when I saw his 40 time um, just because there was so much to like about him, including his ball skills, uh, including his, his return ability once, once he intercepted the ball. or uh, And, you know, I was very disappointed. Now, another guy that I really want to see put it together a little bit more at the next level and, and falls under that you know, trust Flores and Boyer and, and the coaching staff to get the most out of some of these physically talented guy would be Robert Rochelle out of Central Arkansas. Uh, he's basically has prototypical size, four three nine speed, all of the things, but just you watch him play and he just hasn't figured out how to put it all together yet. And I could see that being somebody that if he were to slide a little bit, um, Greer and Flores would want to take a flyer on and seeing what he can turn into. Now, one guy I'm going to let you talk about, but I know he's completely off your board. He's not completely off my board, but we're going to I'm going to throw it to you for Marco the Shoe Chucker oh. Wilson. <laughs> Marco Wilson has incredible physical tools and is a gifted cornerback. I mean, what he had he had he what ran a 4-3-8 had 26 bench reps, 40 plus vertical. I mean, incredible. And that as a freshman, he started at cornerback and CJ Henderson didn't. And CJ Henderson went ninth overall last year. So that speaks to his talent level, but he could never put it together. And it's just after the play, bonehead play after bonehead play, just so many flags, both for pass interference, but my favorite one that you're probably referring to is it is this past year 
It is a 34 to 34 game. It, Florida's eight and one playing three and five LSU. 34 34, a minute and a half left. Florida stops LSU. It's fourth down. They're getting the ball back, except after the play, Marco Wilson ripped off the ball carrier's shoe and threw it 30 yards downfield. It was a good throw. It was a good throw. You should switch to cornerback or quarterback uh, in a different league. And then uh, after that, it, you know, a lot of you probably saw the game here. LSU goes down the field, uh, kicks a field goal, ends up winning the game. Florida is eight and eight and two instead of nine and one, which in obviously in college football is major. So no, I, I don't see, I, look, Brian Flores and Josh Boyer, actually let's just stick with Flores. Brian Flores is not going to have you as the last line of defense and then try to teach you to not be a bonehead. That's not going to happen here. That the, uh, what was that wall they had? The, the makes no mistakes wall, the TNT wall, Takes TNT no talent. Wall. What I refer takes to takes no talent. Excuse wall. me. He would be running, just running suicides back and forth all throughout the summer if they drafted this guy. So no, he's off the board. Maybe somebody strikes gold with him. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't take him quite off the board yet. Um, but I think there's a conversation or two that would need to happen before I'd be comfortable with them taking him. Now, if Flores says he talked to the guy and he's not concerned. Um, then uh, Flores has earned that credit from me. Um, and, Kat, I, I can't remember if you mentioned this already. I know we talked about him in our Senior Bowl coverage. I know you've got to be about as disappointed as I do in DJ Daniel and his four six two speed. Yeah, he's gone too. And he uh, was behind Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell there. Uh, is a physically talented guy but didn't run very well. It, I think he plays faster than that, but there's also not a lot of reps there too. Um, they're also probably have a fourth cornerback named Mark Webb that probably gets drafted in the sixth or seventh round as well out of Georgia. So yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I, I, I could, I could take him or leave him. I, if, if he were there for the dolphins in the seventh round, I think I'd be okay with it, but he probably gets taken a little bit higher. Um, in the slot, I, I look at a few of these guys here and one guy I'm not going to say I'm going to defend like more than other people is Sean Wade from Ohio State. He had a terrible season. And the the deal with him is, had he come out last year, I did my consensus board the just a week after the 2020 draft for the 2021 prospect. Sean Wade was 10th on that list. One spot behind, behind Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle from Florida State, who will probably go in the fourth round too. But the, the deal with Sean Wade is he was supposed to show this year that he was going to move to the outside, take over for Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett at the corner spot. He didn't, he had a terrible year, but as a slot cornerback or a safety, this guy is six, one, 193 pounds, four, four, six can tackle. I think if you take him for what he is, which is a slot cornerback, maybe a safety, maybe a bigger Bobby McCain, you might get a steal in the fifth round. Yeah, and another guy I think could be a steal and possibly in the seventh would be Brandon Eccles out of Kentucky. Um, yeah, I, I wish he was a little bit bigger, but given the fact that he's got – he was solid in college, he runs four three six. I think he can pretty much run with anybody out there. And, and if you can burn a seventh-round pick to go out and grab Eccles, uh, you know, yeah, I, those, those are flyer picks for me anyhow. Yeah, same goes for me with Mark Gilbert. Uh, the cornerback out of Duke, you know, runs in the four threes 
And yeah, when you get into the sixth and seventh round, you better be able to play special teams. And if you if you're going to be a flyer on special teams or a developmental player in the bottom of the roster, you better have the physical traits. That's why Matt Collins stuck around the league here for so long, and why he's still on the Dolphins roster here. You know, four years after he was drafted. Um, but even going back earlier in the draft, Paul, one guy I didn't talk about, Tyson Campbell from Georgia. Some not very good film from him. He's a toolsy cornerback, great physical skills, six foot one, 193 pounds, 32 inch arms, long arms, 437, 40 speed, never quite put it together at Georgia. He shows flashes, but I think technique wise, you're going to have to really, really refine his game. But I think he does just pat, he can pass the eye test there when he's, when he's able to when he's actually showing himself there. So I think he's got some developmental skills. He's a boomer bust type of player for sure. Fifth round, again, somebody I might be interested in. Third might be a little bit too high. Uh, going back to the slot, Kerry Vincent from LSU. 5'10", 185 pounds, um, was a 2020 opt-out. But in 2019, he had four interceptions and five or eight passes defensed. Uh, in that 2019 season, strictly a slot guy, kind of a jack of all trades there for LSU and a very dependable guy. So, yeah, so, somebody that I I think Flores might take a good look at too in the middle rounds. So, Cat, I think we've la- named about 107 prospects here in this cornerback one. Uh, anybody else you want to dive into? I think I'm feeling pretty good with where I'm at. I can't remember if I missed a couple, but I'm sure I did. Yeah. Um, I'm- I'm going to run through 17 more real quick. Uh, no, I'm oh, just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. No, I got two more. Uh, Trey Brown from Oklahoma, a feisty cornerback in the slot. Not, not sure if he quite has the speed, but looked great during senior bowl week and tackles really well. Question is, is he a little bit too – he tries to grab too much to compensate really for his lack of athleticism. And finally, saving the best for last year, Rashad Wild Goose from Wisconsin. Um, you know, I dog people for going back and graduating college, but I'm really going to dog this guy here for, uh, um, for, for coming out of, of school and not going back because this past year, uh, he played in two games. One of them was a terrible game. I think against Michigan state gets hurt, opts out and, um, then declares for the draft. So, but he does have man-to-man cornerback traits in the slot there. So, I, I he's somebody I'd I'd be interested in there in that fifth round area too. So, yeah, that, that's really going to round it out pretty much because we're trying to get through as many names as we can because it is so hard to predict who the Dolphins would draft a defensive back, and I think they will draft one of these guys. Yeah, I think there's going to be a corner and a safety that come off the board for Miami at some point during this draft. It'll just be curious to see which ones they actually go with and when. Um, you know, because Greer has shown he will move up after a guy in a heartbeat if he feels that, that he's a good match. Now, one other guy I would take a flyer on just based off of his physical traits at 6'2", 200 pounds, uh, ran a four three one, and, again, another late late guy is Chris Wilcox. So, Yeah, I mean, we're talking about those – fast guys that can be on the bottom of the roster that and he's got size too so i mean he's got, at size, worst, he's he got a, a fast gunner with size exactly and that's what you're looking for and then you hope that they can round 
into form. And you take flyers on these guys. You hope to get lucky. And in this case, you can get somebody on your 45-man roster if he's worth it. Um, who's somebody, for example, in the Dolphins? Don Jones. For You remember Don Jones back seven oh, yeah. or eight years ago where he was a, a seventh-round pick? And was that he fit that profile? He, he never amounted to much, but he was a special fun. teams guy. He What's was that? fun to watch on special teams. Yeah, and he he started getting on the field a little bit on defense too. That's worth the value as a late seventh rounder. That's the type of guy we're talking about here. Um, and you can bet when the Dolphins drafted Rashad Jones and Jeremiah Bell in the fifth and sixth round. I know they were safeties, but it it was because they fit the size speed profile and could get on the field as a special teamer. And then, wow, we've really got something on actual defense, too. So, Well, Rashad, Rashad, part of it was the leg injury, I believe. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I'm and, with you. And, and Bell was an injury, too. Yeah, never mind. Scrap that. That was a bad example there. Um, Don, I'm going to stick with my Don Jones example. That, for sure. The Don Jones. <laughs> um, so, Paul, one question here to finish, finish out the show. Yeah. We've talked about 96 corner. Who is one with you know where the Dolphins are picking in, in every round here? Who is one cornerback that we've talked about that you can point to where if the Dolphins drafted him at a specific spot, you would say that's great value? And I'm, I'll start with mine to give you a little bit of time to think about that. Mine would be Aaron Robinson at 81. Um, and He's somebody I expect to kind of go in the second round, but he may not fit every scheme. And you may have to just be looking strictly for a slot cornerback. Um, and one guy I'm not going to dive into again, we'll talk about him on a safety show, but uh, Elijah Molden is the same one. If you get Elijah Molden or Aaron Robinson at 81, I think that's tremendous value with what should be the Dolphins fifth pick in the draft there in the third round. Well, I know Jet Hammer wants Creed Humphrey at number eighteen, but for <laughs> thanks, Jet, much appreciated, brother. Um, for me, I would have to say, just based on some of these draft boards out there, if Tay Gowan is there, really anywhere from the fourth round on, uh, which is a very realistic possibility. I'd, I'd sprint to the podium to grab the guy. Um, that would be insane value that he slid that far. And it's realistically possible, given the number of corners that a lot of folks have ranked above him. Yeah, I think that's that's a good bet there. And that would be a, that'd be a good flyer. And he could fall um, because he has one year of production. And, you know, he doesn't quite fit every scheme. But I think he can be a man-to-man guy in this type of defense, too. So... Paul, anything jump out for you uh, from the chat before we uh, before we, we we sign off here? Um, not really. Uh, some debates going on about the tight end position. Um, you know, I, I'm curious where you fall on this cat because there's a debate going on. I'm already putting my two cents in. Somebody said Gasicki's greater than Pitts. Uh, maybe right now because he's got a little professional experience, but the upside is tremendously better for me on Pitts compared to anything we've seen at tight end um, in a very long time. Uh, but, yeah, Gasicki's probably better than Pitts at volleyball, so there's that. I don't know where you fall on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think physically uh, Pitts is better. Uh, I mean, I think it, it, comparing Pitts to anybody is rare. I mean, I, I've said I, I think as far as 
the thing Gasicki is good at, which is skying high and winning in contested catch situations. There may not be a better tight end in the business outside of, you know, Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Kyle Pitts with me is that I don't want this to be a situation where you draft Kyle Pitts six overall. And then the next year, Mike Gasicki's out the door. I think that's a misuse of value. You drafted Gasicki in the second round. He became better than what you thought. He's got to stay too. And you've got to make that work. And that's part of the evaluation. If you're going to draft Kyle Pitts, as far as I'm concerned. And what I'll say as well to support that is I think if you draft Kyle Pitts, you immediately call Mike Gasicki's agent and try to get get an extension worked out now. Because if you've got Pitts and Gasicki on the same field, they are both going to have a huge year together. And I think the huge year that Gasicki would have playing opposite Pitts would make a contract very prohibitive, prohibitive next offseason. And in a worst-case scenario, um, I think you may – Maybe you see Gasicki obviously play another year with the Dolphins, but then get franchised after that because the franchise tag for a tight end is not as high as other positions. And I think he'd be very well worth franchising one year, 11 million. And hopefully, you know, things can get worked out in the future with him too. So that, that all factors into the evaluation there with him. And to go back on my value comment to JC Horn at 18 is the best value as far as I'm concerned, but Realistically, because I don't see Horn falling past 12 or so, um, Aaron Robinson or Elijah Molden uh, and there in the third round is where I'm at. And that's going to do it for our breakdown there of the cornerback class. Not a huge need for the Dolphins, but a, a position we should see the Dolphins address here in some round of the NFL draft. And we're going to be back with safeties here on Saturday. And finally, we're going to wrap it up with one of the biggest needs, the edge class, and a very robust one there on Sunday. We're also going to do our top Miami Dolphins-specific boards, top 36, because we know we'll get three of those players. And then Paul and I are going to wrap it up on Tuesday, throwing Paul a bone here because you know I hate mock drafts, a dueling mock draft, first round, and we're going to keep tally of those points on draft day when we're here on Thursday. We hope you all can join us. Thank you very much for being part of our NFL draft coach. We appreciate all of you. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, all of our social media outlets, uh, the fan-sided network, Finn Fanatic. Uh, and you can follow Paul and I on Twitter. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is Fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Finn side. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.